0: You're listening to Rock Shop Live, brought to you by Stuart Travel Guitars. See the incredible stowaway travel guitar at StuartGuitars.com. Microphones for Rock Shop Live are provided by Rode Microphones. Now for Music Gear Network, here's your host, guitarist Eric Broadbent. Hey everyone, it is the weekend. Happy Friday to you all. Welcome to Rock Shop Live. Joining us this evening, we have singer, songwriter, solo artist, member of Smashing Pumpkins, and so many other titles Uh, Miss Katie Cole. Katie, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the show.
0: An absolute pleasure. An absolute pleasure. Very happy to have you here. And we've got a full agenda of fun things to discuss this evening from your solo career to pumpkins to all kinds of other cool stuff. We've got a fun gig that you have tomorrow. We'll talk about that very, very soon. Um, but we had you scheduled, uh, last week and you got hired for a gig. So we bumped the show. Um, it was nice that you are able to give us tonight, but can you tell yeah, us a little yeah. bit about that gig, what it was and how did it go?
1: Oh, always oh, fine. It was, it was just something corporate. It was nothing, nothing fancy at all. Just one of those got to take the gig. Nice. Nothing, nothing to, nothing to write home about.
0: But <laughs> a gig is a gig, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll I'll take 'em like if I'm off the road with the pumpkins now, so you know, it's just, you know, back to playing shows in town or playing out of town, interstate. I've had a few of those since I've been back been back to.
0: You you kind of strike me as someone that doesn't really want to be idle too much anyway. So coming off the road I imagine you want to keep going or do you like to take some breaks?
1: Um, it depends on what my goals are at that particular moment. If I'm in like if I'm ready to write like a new album or something like that. I'm always writing, like I don't I don't think the creative part of me ever sort of shuts off, but I was happy just to kind of get back into a domestic flow. I was kind of craving that a little bit. So, yeah, I I sort of, yeah, I I dove into that for a couple of weeks and then I was like, okay, I need to go do something like music now.
0: There you go. This this wasn't a question I had on the agenda for this evening, but I like to ask this from time to time too of some artists. When you go into songwriting mode, do you do you like do you kind of isolate yourself? Do you tune off outside influences and just kind of focus on what you're hearing in your head, or do you kind of listen to some things and see what's hot and kind of borrow some ingredients from things like that? Or how do you, how do you approach songwriting?
1: Uh, I mean, songwriting to me is a, a sometimes a daily or every other day situation. If I'm not um, scheduled to be doing anything for a long period of time. I'm always writing. I'm always, I am always, I suppose, coming up with melodies. Um, song titles are a big thing for me um, because having a good song title and then a concept around that will, as soon as you pick up a guitar or you come with that melody and you're like, you know, this reminds me of that thing I was writing down. Um, I can pair the two rather than coming up with this melody and going, uh, what does this mean? <laughs> I like to do things that way around. I find myself coming to better conclusions and quicker, I suppose, than um, just noodling around. But I've always got titles on my phone. I've always, I'm always using the memo function. Nice. You know, a lot of the time it's like, oh my God, I'm somewhere in the grocery store and there's this melody and I have to get back to my car and record it. And then I listen back to the voice member. I'm like, I've got no idea what this even means.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: But generally like if i go into a mode i will i will generally write a few songs um in a, in a short period of time and it may only be a couple of days um but it takes a few weeks to get i don't know it's like it's like loading up a program <laughs> yeah sometimes it takes that little bit i don't know whether it's inspiration or just having that creative part of your mind open for a period of time for all of a sudden, it you're focusing it and channeling and going this is okay this needs to be said this way right now and then once the initial song's written then I go into the crafting mode which is rewriting and rewriting and most of the songs that I have written um, especially the last couple of albums have been a process of writing and then rewriting and uh, they say whatever good songs are written and great songs are rewritten.
0: Have you ever had something happen where, you know, trying to get out to the, you talk about getting out to the car, has something ever hit you so bad that you were singing over in the ice cream section or the yogurt section <laughs> of the grocery store or anything like that?
1: No, it's been like in the shower. Oh, okay. Usually like <laughs> where like I, I don't want to electrocute myself, I don't want to break my phone, but it's like, okay, I got, I got this melody or this line comes into my head that I'm like, this actually is worth stopping what I'm doing and and getting this out. But, you, you know, and that's that's kind of that's how it works. Sometimes you, you sit down and you're ready to write and sometimes like your brain's writing. Or or like for me, I mishear what people say all the time. I'll be like, did you say this? And they'll be like, N- absolutely, not even close. <laughs> um, so sometimes I mishear things and they're interesting enough for me to write down. I'll be like, that's cool. And then I'll end up, that ends up being a song title. That's happened to me before for songs that I've written. Nice. Um, a song of my... Uh, 2014 record, um, a song called Hearts Don't Bend. I misheard that completely and it ended up being Hearts Don't Bend, They Break. Okay. And that was just like I just heard, like that's how I heard somebody say something. I'm like it wasn't even close, but I wrote it down and went, like, that should be a song, you know.
0: It's nice, too, with the technology. Like you said, talk about a phone or just any kind of dictation device. You could be driving in a car and do voice to text and just scratch down some ideas. You know, you don't always, like in the old days, writing down a little notepad or whatever, a back of a napkin or if you're out for dinner or something like that. Now we've got these, you know, tech Yeah, it's devices. useful. Yeah.
1: It's it's useful garbage that we collect on our phones now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> for sure we look at bands like Metallica, look at uh, Kirk Hammond one time he supposedly lost his phone and he had you know hundreds of or if not thousands of riffs on there and you kind of feel for the people like that we're so dependent on technology you know uh, you lose that and you know maybe it's sometimes it's a blessing because then you're forced to write new stuff, but we're also very dependent on it too
1: i I've learned to email myself like when i think i've got most of a good idea either email myself or put it in my dropbox as well Great. so that it's in multiple places at once um so that yeah i don't have those moments of sheer panic smart um yeah well it's it it, it happens because you have to have a you have to have a backup and those are the the ideas that you don't know if they're going to be meh or if they're going to be the song sometimes it's like well these are the ones worth i, I should back these up
0: yeah that's right do you, do you ever go back in, and this is really cool that we're talking about this, because off the air, too, I got to learn a little bit about you being very you know tech savvy. But do you ever find like sometimes you record some of these, whether even if it's just a little scratch track, whatever, and then maybe you go back two or three months and listen to it again. And if that's a really good one, maybe say, OK, I'll make that to a keeper folder and then go back a little bit longer. And if it's still really fresh and exciting in your mind, is that when you act on a song or do you ever do anything like that?
1: Um, yeah yes, sometimes. honestly, this there's various processes to writing songs um, for me, um, but I, I do keep those active folders. I keep an active um, document I've learned to. rather than keeping like a folder of like endless ideas, I start like a new document on my computer each month for the songs and I might port some ideas over. Or just so I know, because generally I won't always remember what a song was called, but I'll know when I was writing it so I can at least look back and be like, I know it was around this, you know, this time of, you know, mm-hmm. that's how my brain works. Um, and I, I just give, like, leave myself breadcrumbs for clues for things nice. so I can go back and make sense of them. But there have, there have been times where I've had, like, just a chorus um, and I've been like, there's something about that thing. I need to work on that. Um, and that ended up being one of the songs of... Um, My last EP, which is Things That Break, part one, which I put out uh, exactly a year ago, Um, I had a chorus for that, which was kind of, it was way more of a commercial country song. It was very uppity, this song that I had and it ended up being broke, um, which is track one on that. And I went back and wrote it and went like, you know, if I was going to look at this song, what could I really do with this? So, of course, I... I mess up the storyline, make things a bit tragic, but in the right way so, so that you know it's very relatable. Put some chord changes in there that weren't there before. Um, just took some, you know, really took some creative liberties and some chances, and and went back. and I always go back and forth with my producer Howard Willing, and you know, whenever I'm thinking, "Oh, is this too dark?" he's always like, he, he will, he'll always be like, "No, go darker." <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: Yeah. But that, that happens to me a bit where I will go back and work on something. And usually there's a sense of immediacy. Like if I find something and it's still great, if the song will either come out and if it doesn't come out, then it's like, I can't force it out. It's not, if it's not coming out, I just leave it. Maybe I'll rediscover it again at some point, or maybe that's all it was. Maybe Mm. it was just like this one small thing that's good and it won't be anything more than that. Um, Songs are pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, sometimes too, maybe just playing like you, when you do some of these corporate gigs or some cover gigs and uh, uh, different ones that you do, maybe kind of testing out a song for the audience. And then you might think, OK, I did something different here. and They really like that. So let's take that and work it into the song. You know, a lot of artists will do that and kind of bounce it off the fans before it's released mm. on, a, on a record. And you can kind of get some vibe, too.
1: I, I struggle with that. I think I used to do that in my earlier days, but I'm now really committed to like if this is the song, it's I'm going to go through, you know, and work through pre-production first and really know what we're going to do before we even go into the studio. I don't really want to present it to other ears um, until it's the best version of that particular song that it can be. Right. Um, I've, I mean, I've done that before where I've played, you know, shows or, or whatever and played songs where it hasn't been in the studio yet and it's been a very you know close to what it would end up being but you know I've always looked back in hindsight and gone yeah we probably should have waited because this one guitar line or this one change that I you know in the lyric or the melody makes it even if it's just that five percent better I'm yeah. like you're kind of cheating the audience if you're just testing stuff out on them and that's my view like that's good if, if you're a a 10-piece funk band, you might need to work that through mm-hmm. with an audience to work out where that groove is or be in the you know in a rehearsal space or a studio for a long period of time to work out that, like the heart of where this song is going to be. But for me as a songwriter, like I need to do those rewrites first or I get anxious.
0: Well, it's definitely a good work ethic. And, and I'm glad that you mentioned Howard as well, too. We'll talk about him a little bit later on in the program, too, because cool. you've been with him for a long time. So yes, since, yes. Yeah, since moving to uh, to uh, Los Angeles from Australia, but well, we'll talk about that for sure. Correct. Before we go into the next uh, subject here, I just wanted to say hi to a bunch of people over in our chat. They're jumping in to say hi to uh, to you for sure. We've got Music Therapy Laz not staying for long. He's taking his better half out for dinner, but he wanted to sh- uh, lend some support. Scott Roos says he's hello from Nova Scotia. Hope we're getting some cold here in oh. Canada. Brad Miller is here. Six String Brian is here. Uh, let me see. Andrew Bonica, a former uh, Line 6. We talked about Yamaha Guitar Group. We're talking about them off the air. He's jumping in as well, too. Alex Radford oh. is here. My beautiful Butterfly and Ladybug show is here. She's going to be sharing a lot of your links throughout the program to your uh, to your website, to YouTube, to Instagram, Spotify, all that good stuff. Uh, we've got all those links we'll be sharing. Steven S. is here. Mark FX is here. Greetings, everyone. Uh, continue on. Um, I scrolled a little too fast to try to get everybody here. <laughs> um, the chat sometimes is hard for me. I'm I'm uh, a rookie when it comes to chat, and I've been doing this for four years. Um, Edwin, Edwin Edwin Crane is here. R two R three locking nut. You'll hear some strange names in here sometimes too. Sometimes I'll chuckle, and uh, I got to be careful too, because you get sometimes some trolls that'll come in, and they have these these you know pseudo names, and I got to be careful how you read them. Sometimes we're all yep. good tonight though. We have a nice tight ship tonight. Rob F is here. Uh, who else we got h- hanging out here with us this evening? Uh, Brian. Uh, aren't uh, And says, hi, Katie. I'm not sure if I pronounced your last name right, but uh, Brian is here anyways. So before we jump in a little bit deeper into your own music and Smashing Pumpkins, I was telling you this off the air as well, too, but I'm curious to get your take on it. Uh, th- on a couple of our shows, I run some sister shows here as well, too. We have different topics on other shows. And I've had your your, uh, former, well, your current colleague, Jeff Schroeder from Smashing Pumpkins, and obviously a mutual friend. He's been on the show a few times, both on this show and over on the Helix Hour. And and he's been a great return guest. People love him. I love him. I'm curious to see if you've heard his new band, uh, Night Dreamer, and what's your thoughts on him so far?
1: Oh, great. I have. I've heard a number of songs. Um, I heard um, the first couple that they put out and then I went into Spotify and scrolled through a few more. I think it's I think it's great. Like he explained a little bit about the band um, when we were on the last tour, like that he was working together with um with Mindy and he explained like somebody explaining music to you is sometimes like you, you, you go into your mind and you go, oh, I don't really know what that's going to be. But I, when I finally heard heard the songs I was like this is great it's you know it's got just enough guitar just enough electronic bass and she's got a really cool voice and Mm -hmm. I just think it's a it's a cool I know it's a cool side project to have for sure
0: I was telling Jeff with the first single that they put out it really reminded me like I I I know they weren't trying necessarily to do this and I mean you know Night Dreamer you you don't want to think Nightmare on Elm Street or anything like that but it does have a very dark I could picture if they were to do another reboot of Nightmare on Elm Street or something like that Like, it's, I could picture that song fitting so well into the soundtrack
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's dark dark in the right. I mean, I mean, a lot of it's a lot of the touring members in Smashing Pumpkins have a lot of the same sort of, I don't know, icons. I suppose we all look up to similar bands, but, you know, there's I suppose to me, I hear a lot of the sort of 80s uh, new wave sort of influences in there. And it's it makes sense. Like it it, to me, it makes sense of um, it's hard to make sense of putting guitar in modern music, but that makes sense. Like in that in that context, it makes sense. So, yeah. Because sometimes you know, do you know what I mean? Like sometimes oh, yeah. you listen to some new pop music with guitar in it, and just you just like, huh? <laughs> it just doesn't doesn't gel the same way, or it's uh, you know rock dressed as pop, or vice versa, and you're like, what? But this is a really respectful way of having an exceptional guitar player do things where it's not sitting on top of the music it's still sort of woven through it and they're in a you know cool way i don't know i think it's really cool yeah
0: exactly and and jeff's a very capable shredder but even the solos in oh, yeah. the songs he knows just how to sprinkle some candy in there and you know he's capable of so much more but the song and you know sometimes the song doesn't even call for a guitar solo. a lot of music is like that but just a yeah. nice little nice little tasteful riff and yeah i, I really like i was very proud of him when i got to hear that it was it was awesome
1: yeah, I wish him all the best. I think I think it's really cool. And, and he's if, yeah, again, he's such a he's such an exceptional player that I mean, he could apply himself to anything. But that's a really uh, it's a really cool band. I think they'll do well.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, they're doing some showcases and things right now. A few gigs yeah. under the belt, so that's awesome. But let's talk about this. Is something I would think would be a very very daunting move here. We're going to go way back now. We're going to talk about the move from Australia to Los Angeles. Now, you had you know quite a bit, quite a few years. Uh, probably what a decade at least of pl- performing over in Australia and a lot of mm-hmm. times doing your own sound and, and running your own PA and things like that So maybe we'll talk a little bit about that back home what it was like there and then what was it like thinking about making the move to North America Los Angeles and and uh, that sounds to me like it'd be scary for a young person
1: well i I mean I'd I've been a professional uh, musician since I was 15 I suppose um I was uh You know playing and yeah playing in clubs and being paid from sort of day one so I've always known how to be on stage and um, I learned how to you know how to work a crowd how to you know how to sort of win them over and I also learned obviously you know playing a lot of covers when I when I first started out I suppose learning what constitutes sort of a hit song and that it all sort of goes in there and Sometimes, like I really didn't like this song, but then I'd learn the song, or I'd learn these handful of songs, and I'd be like, "Yeah, I get this. Like this makes sense to me now. I see the response." And again, that as a songwriter, that all sort of sort of goes into the into the subconscious, into the brain computer or the creative computer, or what have you. But I did, you know, I played, you know, five, six, seven nights a week, three, four-hour shows. Like that was me cutting my teeth as a musician, as a singer, and learning how to you know, how to how to use my my crafts. I knew I never, you know, I never blew my voice out. I, you know, like any musician that's played like that, um, you know, you, you work your finger, like I'm a guitarist, so I suppose that's my, I'm a vocalist, then a guitarist, then piano and so forth and so forth. But, you you know, you work out, okay, well, by day five of shows, then all, you know, my the skin on my fingers is getting super tender by now. <laughs> um, but, you know, on the seventh day, um they they shall be renewed (laughs) like you sort of knew how things would go and it was it was very much a grind and, and not stuff that I loved but that was my day job that I did at night and allowed me to write songs during the day and I wrote songs for a lot of um European artists and some Australian idol people and all that stuff and really wasn't I mean I wasn't getting my fulfillment as an artist in Australia there just wasn't an avenue for the sort of music that I was creating um you know, side projects that I'd done had been way more successful, and you know, being very frustrated. But I always knew what I liked, and what producers I liked, what songwriters I liked, and I was one of those read the liner notes nerds. Um, and I don't know some, you know, everyone sort of does that. And now you have the, you know, you can go on all music or Discogs and sort of find out who did what. But I was, you know, picked up the CDs and was just, I just wanted to know why I loved the thing. So. I I knew sort of who I wanted to work with and where and everybody seemed to be based in Los Angeles, all the, all the studios that I was referencing and all these records that were my favorites were all pretty much in Hollywood. Um, And so I, you know, I ended up, you know, of course you think, well, these are the people that I want to work with and. I've told this story before, um, but it's it's the gone honest truth. I'd, I'd written on one of my websites, you know, I, these are the you know few producers that I really want to work with, and Howard Willing was one of them. And a friend of his had seen, you know, his name on my website, and was like, "You should look at this girl. She's she's really good." And he reached out to me and was like, "Would you ever come out to Los Angeles?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, I have a reason to now. Nice. Um, I'd you know, I didn't just pick up and be like." I'm going to Hollywood and be a Hollywood star. Right. You know, it wasn't. There. I had a reason to. I had a reason to actually get on the plane. So, you know, I did that, and you know, I booked my trip and flew over on my own dime and went into to um, start recording what would be my first American EP. And worked out on my second trip to Los Angeles. I really need to be here on the road, um, on the ground here, and. You can't sort of do this. I just saw that it was possible. Like all these things that I really wanted to do were actually possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not just in Los Angeles, but in America. Like you could do these things that I thought were like one day. This thing. Um, it, it was a, a realistic goal um, that I'd never thought was that realistic before. So, I you know, I picked up and moved. And yes, it was you know, it's terrifying. I mean, my first my first trip over to the to the US um, to Ricardo. Was horribly jet lagged in no. my in my rental car and driving on the, you know, the one on one o one freeway and six lanes of gridlock traffic at nine sure. o'clock in the morning. I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you just roll with it and you like. I learned to sort of embrace fear as a a measure for, you know, doing doing what I'd done in Australia for such a long period of time. There's such a level of comfort even though what I was doing was still very hard work playing, you know, playing all those gigs is playing gigs is hard work no matter where you're playing them, but embracing a level of fear of these are the things that I haven't done yet. Um, uh, there's, you know, that excitement is something that I learned to, you know, just take on board. These are, these are these new things. And these are these goals, these bucket list things that I've always wanted to do. And, you know, the, these are really happening. And I, yeah, I've learned to, just say yes to a lot more things.
0: Nice. Uh, how do you think it worked? Like, I mean, judging like outside looking in, do you think did, did Howard um, enjoy working with you right off the get go? Did he kind of mold you a little bit? Did he help you? Are there some things that you learned from Howard? Uh, you know, oh, you-
1: I learned so. I learned so much from. I mean, from day one, I, you know, very, you know, I was young and very much a sponge to. This is a very this is a very big deal, and these are these. I mean, I was walking into Henson Studios and Sunset Sound, and mm. these big iconic studios, and it was like m- my first couple of sessions was was like Tracy Chapman was down the hall, and Steve Gadd was drumming on this down the hall, and it was just like you know my you know Australian me is just like duh, uh.
2: <laughs> stars, <laughs> you drag.
1: know, but just trying to act cool, like everything's cool, I'm cool, it's cool, it's super awkward. Um, cause that's who I am too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I sort of just learned to just sort of try to shut up and listen a lot. I think that's been, um, it's been a gift to sort of be around so many, just so many professionals like that, you know, there's some people that you can work with that will share what they're doing. And sometimes you're in the room and just watching, just just watching something on a different level happen. And I, I was I was so fortunate for the first, you know, first couple of sessions to just be around, you know, just these just these immense, immense musicians and watching the communication between producer and musician and they're using language and lingo that I'm like, I don't know what you're saying, but that's they're doing the thing that <laughs> yeah. we now want. So learning that as well is another skill too. But yeah, I've been I, I suppose I've learned what I like, what I don't like, and f- really from the get-go with, with Howard, we were on the same page. And if we weren't on exactly the same page, we'd talk through it and work out what was what or you know, but it was I know it was always it's always been a good relationship where he also doesn't get let me get away with things nice. like if if a vocal take can be better or if we can do this or work through this, it's just like he kind of kicked me in the butt where I needed to be and just be like you've got one more in you. And that's still to this day, like recording the last EP, you know, we some of the songs, like it was just like, you know, a couple of hours and this vocal's done. And then some of the other songs, it was like singing and singing and singing until I'd really worked through all the different possibilities of where this vocal could go to be like, well, how would Aretha approach this? I'm not Aretha Franklin. I don't have her pipes, but how would she approach this? And she would... She would sing like she wasn't thinking. And I had to sort of sing through to get out of my head some mm-hmm. of the time. And he helped push me in that direction to be like, you got it. You know, let me know when I don't, let me know when I got it. So yeah, I I appreciate that because I don't want somebody just saying, yes, everything's everything's great. Like you don't you do sort of progress as a artist or a musician or a songwriter. And you know, even like my last full record, I remember being in the studio recording. One of the songs and we were doing final vocals, like pre-production's done, doing final vocals. And he's like, I don't really like that line in the bridge. (laughs) So you're in the vocal booth with headphones on and you're like, you know, dang it. Um, But, you know, you can get mad or then you can be like, you know what? Give me five minutes. Mm -hmm. Took headphones off, had a few scribbles. And, you know, I'm like, you know what? This line is actually better now. And that's fine. And like, that's how I've learned, you know, progressing beyond that to my last EP and what I've recorded since then. Um, You know, there's never any harm in rewriting, trying, trying to get that 5% better because you can always go back to the thing that, you know, had before. And he was, he was one of those, you know, he was one of those few people that actually showed me, even if it's through a frustrating position to be in, that that can really be a really good outcome. Like you can have something way better if you just just try. If, if, mm-hmm. you, if you don't like it, then... But yeah, I'm very thankful for
0: that. I think that's the first telltale sign of a producer that actually believes in the artist. I mean, it's one thing, you know. Okay, oh three, we got half an hour. We can wrap up here, or else be the person that's like, we're staying here until we get this done, uh, you know, and just bringing the very, very best out of you. And and there's a lot, just a lot of good producers out there like that. Obviously, you look at some of the greatest artists out there. They've had, you know, they they weren't just. Phenomenal on their own. They they went into Hmm. the studio prepared. Sometimes not even prepared. Sometimes just write a song in the studio, but that producer and the engineer can just bring the best out of an artist if they they believe in the artist.
2: Yeah,
1: Yeah. I, I and it's having that level of trust too. Yes, like they wouldn't they wouldn't say these things if if they didn't really mean it or like what you said, if they didn't believe that you could the song could be better or you could be better or it could be better as a whole. Um, yeah, so I, I, appreciate that. And there's, there's few people that I've, I've worked with that really have, have brought that out in me. So I'm very thankful.
0: Yeah. How often do you, uh, do you go back home? Like I know you've got, um, musical parents back there. Mom and dad both played, um, or uh, piano and, and other instruments as far as I read, but do you go back yes. home often to visit and how often is that?
1: Um, a, sort of at best it's once a year. Okay. Um, I was back last, um, November. Um, it's, it's very challenging um, with the schedules that I that I sort of have um, to be able to plan well in advance what I'm doing.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: like I know I'm off the road now, so I can. I'm thinking about doing a trip back in um, maybe January or February. It's yeah, it's just a little challenging. Um, uh, with the pumpkins we toured in 2018 and 2019 being this year, I know I'm saying that like it was many years ago, but <laughs> I wasn't 100% sure that I was doing those tours until a couple of months prior. And then it was like, Oh, okay. Um, while it was on the European tour, then it was like, do you also want to do, what are you doing in August? Would you want to, you know, so that's, you know, being out again, being able to plan is, is challenging, but like those are good, cha- like good challenges, <laughs> Um, yeah, but yes sure. I get back once a year if I can and I'd like to be back more often but it's it's expensive for me and it's also just a it's a long haul and mm-hmm. yeah yeah but I do miss my family a lot and um, I miss my mom a lot and my sister it's 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 hard but it's I know I'm here for a reason I've, I've chosen to, to live overseas to you know fulfill this. This crazy dream but it's you know it's been working out okay so far
0: I'm sure they're very proud as well too and look at now we're talking right we are, you know you're in Los Angeles so I'm up here in Canada we're talking via yeah. Skype so I mean the technology does lend a bit of assistance to you know cross some borders and, and connect with people I mean it's not the same as being around and giving them a big hug but it's still mm-hmm. we can still communicate with our family and yeah. things like that so that's nice
1: I'm in Nashville
0: oh Nashville okay right there you go yes. right yes yeah even yes. still we're, for, we're yes. a fair drive away from one another Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yes, <laughs> there is a question from uh, Edwin Crane in the chat. He says, "What is the what's the most inspirational point where you said I've got to do this?"
2: Hmm.
1: Well, I I've always I I mean I was always a songwriter and I'd, I'd already started writing the songs that would be essentially my first American EP and I I didn't feel like I had the avenue to be able to do what I really wanted to do and I, I suppose it was. When Howard reached out to me, I was just like, "Well, yeah, it wasn't even a, it wasn't even an instinct. Like I, I, I'd, I'd put out music in Australia and it just wasn't doing too much. I, I never waited for anything. I've always been pretty proactive um, in my career in terms of writing, reaching out to people, reaching out to labels. I, you know, even in Australia as a musician, I had three different booking agents. Like I'd never." weighted you have to go do the thing and um, I don't remember who originally said it but it's always stuck in my head as like you don't have to get it right you just have to get it started Mm. because once you begin the process of whatever it is that you're trying to achieve whether it's performing or writing songs or starting a band or producing an artist whatever that thing is you just you got to start because once you start it may not be perfect right away but you'll also work out what you like what you don't like and you can craft and work, you know, work out what that, what's really right for you, what's true to you. Um, So I've always kind of done that I know what I am as an artist now what I'm willing to do what I'm not willing to do but I'm always growing and my boundaries and what I'm learning are always kind of stretching a little bit because creativity is always something that moves and changes as you do as a human being but never wait just you got to start something
0: that's right well even if it's writing a book you know like you have all these ideas in your mind but just sit down at the computer or if if you have an old-fashioned typewriter uh, whatever it is just actually pen to paper whatever it is just actually start that
1: yeah totally.
0: yeah for sure. Um, so were both your mom and dad uh, very influential on you growing up?
1: Well, yes, in both different ways, um my my mom sort of taught me um, she was kind of the rocker hippie lady. yeah <laughs> she was she's still like my favorite person to learn how to listen to music from um she, you know, she used to sit me and my sister down at the television and be like we're watching woodstock nice, <laughs> we're, watching, nice. we're watching okay we we all need to watch this guitar solo from john mclaughlin it goes for 11 minutes <laughs> and we're watching this now um so she you know and she introduced me to hendrix and janice joplin and led zeppelin and all these different sort of artists but at the same time my dad came from the more classical realm um so it was you know maria callas and i suppose chopin and just you know it was just this a little bit of everything i think my eyes just went in different directions Thanks. then. but it was it was that so i had this balance of worlds but i saw i mean i it didn't take me long um my parents divorced when i was quite young um just just to understand there's this, there's a separation there but i saw that classical element always stayed with me um and I taught myself how to play so a few classical pieces on piano when I was quite young from ear just because it made sense to me mm-hmm. and I didn't know that was something people don't do. Um, but then I saw those similarities between, say, I don't know, listening to, yeah, Chopin to listening to the way that Ingve um, or Steve Morse would play and you go, oh, this is the same thing. Mm. Like there's no – like I didn't see – I don't know, I suppose I never really saw the difference between the genres I just followed what was interesting to me. So I had this cluster of genres and artists, in, you know, in, in my cassette player as a kid and then became my CD player, you know, in, in high school and I was, you know, listening to the weirdest stuff ever. But it made sense to me and, like, that's how I, I yeah, I suppose I never shut the door on anything. If it was if it was interesting to me, it was, yeah, it was worth listening to.
0: I did read a little bit about your mom doing a little bit of research on you. So I saw some of the things like the, obviously the Hendrix, Rolling Stones, things like that. So that's very, very yeah. cool. I really like that today, especially too. I mean, there's I, I'm getting introduced to a lot of um, more pop and, and stuff like that from my son who you met off the air before we went live here tonight. And I'm very, very thankful for that. But at the same time, too, I think us as parents, um, it, it, you know, and like your parents back in the day introducing you to some of this music that maybe you would have ne- not, you know, necessarily because you're born obviously long after Woodstock and mm-hmm. all those things like that, you know, you would have necessarily maybe gravitated towards that. But it's nice for the family to introduce a generation of music that might have been overlooked. And I think that probably, as you'd probably agree, you know, whether you listen to it today or not, it's it's in the back of your mind had a, a yeah. you know
1: if 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 someone shows an interest in music if it's you know your kids or whatever i think you you got to you've got to expose them to these new things because they they won't look for it if they cuz they don't know it exists that's right or they won't or they won't you know if you show them you know if you show them this particular band then they can look back and go oh this new band that i'm listening to are just borrowing from that like they can put two and two together and work out the origins of you know, and, and like, honestly, every band of every generation has borrowed from another band from another generation. That's just how it goes. Sure. But to, to know that there is that, you know, that layered effect within that, you know, that if it wasn't for, um, you know, you know some good good 50s rock and roll, like you wouldn't have the Beatles. You wouldn't. No. I mean, and, you know, it's just interesting the way that things work that way. Um, but, yeah, I think exposure is, is a, you know, plays a huge role in I I don't have I don't have kids, but it's it's I'm so grateful that I was shown, um, just that I was shown this music because I, then it made me hungry to find more, But because I heard this, I'm like, well, oh, what else is there? What yeah. other records do they have? Or what's what's like that? Um, you know, just it makes you ask more questions, and that's if you're hungry for music or art or creativity, you just want to inspire more. I don't know, in, uh, more of an inquisitive nature. And that's that's what it does, I think.
0: It kind of goes back to what you said earlier about being a sponge. You know, you just, once yeah. once you find this passion, it's like, okay, well, I gotta have more, I gotta have more.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, totally.
0: That's awesome. And you look at young bands, like this is kind of sad. You know when you say one band borrows from another, everyone borrows from everybody. But uh Gre- Greta Van Fleet, a band I love to death, um, you know they're getting raked over the coals for you know they sound just like Zeppelin. I think they've taken the t- grabbed the baton or the torch and they're just continuing on with it. And I love it. I love uh, bands that can do that. I mean, you would never expect these young kids. I call them kids because they're you know, probably under twenty. Um, and they're 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 rocking. They're selling out arenas all over the place. you yeah. know, Multiple nights in a row. I think it's awesome. And so who who cares if it sounds a little bit like Led Zeppelin? I mean, I love Led Zeppelin. I could I could yeah. take another band like that.
1: Yeah, I'm all I'm all for it. I mean, I think. I think you're right if 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 you as long as you're inspiring something it's I mean you know this whole new this whole younger generation has probably never heard Led Zeppelin and they may not or right. maybe they will because they they heard Greta Van Fleet like it doesn't it doesn't matter mm-hmm. you know which came first the chicken or the egg that, you know it doesn't It right. yeah, it really doesn't I mean in when it comes to music like yes you will understand once you hear you know, a plethora of music, which really came first. Mm -hmm. But in the scheme of things, it doesn't really matter too much as long as you're being exposed to it
0: that's right and I'm gonna jump out of order here just because I'm gonna thought of something else here to say because one of the things I want to talk to you about was your YouTube channel but I think it's really great too for some of these artists and, and yourself included here in this conversation about doing covers uh, Weezer is a band I like a lot um, probably more so thanks to my son I mean my son come uh, you know come around long after Weezer but mm. at the same time he's discovering them and he likes them a lot and I'm, yeah. I'm rediscovering the band uh, and some of the the covers that they've done so some of these young kids now will listen to Weezer thinking Weezer wrote this Song, Billie Jean yeah. by Michael Jackson, or something like that. Well, this Billie Jean song is really good. Then they realize, oh, that's not who wrote the song. Let's go back and listen to the other artists. And all that, they discover Michael Jackson, or they discover, yeah. you know, Toto, or, you know, blah, blah, blah. So today I was snooping around on your YouTube page, and, you know, a lot of good covers. And it's nice to see you being very active on YouTube but I shared the one cover you did of uh, Comfortably Numb by Pink Floyd. And I know I think you commented on it or I shared it on Facebook or something as well today. I thought that was beautiful. What is it about some of these covers? Like um, when you go into it, obviously you put your own stamp on it, but um, is there a a special approach you go into it or you just kind of feel the song and and it comes to you in a different way?
1: Um, Well, some some songs I'll approach like, can I even learn this song? Right. (laughs) Can I even, and I don't mean... Can I learn it? Um, any song you can sit down and actively learn, but can I actually interpret this with one guitar and one vocal and it does the song justice? Mm-hmm. And if, if not, well, can I add one other thing to it? Will that do the song justice? And if I can't do it within those couple of steps, I'll generally skip the song. Um, but I'll look at songs that either I've never learned before, or I've maybe played once before or I've always had an interest in it or thought I really knew how the song went until I finally learned the lyrics and was like, oh, (laughs) way off. Um, But generally there's songs that just either touch me in some way or just every time they come on on the radio or I hear them, I'm just like, yes, that song is something passionate or emotional or raw or... um, or sometimes it's just me digging into like, you know, old bluegrass or country songs and I'm just like, you know what, I haven't learned any songs by this artist, let me go do that. Because once you actually, as I said to you, like my, when I sort of cut my teeth as a song, as a musician, um, I you learn all these songs, then you understand more about, I don't know, whether it's the musicianship or the way that these chords work together with those lyrics and those melodies for that genre. Like it's, it has this sort of little intricate dance within itself, I suppose, and you can learn that better by playing the song yourself, not just listening to it but actually playing it through and performing it through. Then you go, oh, okay, I'm, I, I'm understanding this now on a different level as not just the song, not just the chords, not just the melody, but it's this whole, this belongs in this genre for this reason. Um, I love, obviously, I love Pink Floyd, and there's a lot of songs of um, that I've covered um, on YouTube, and I, I generally spend about maybe 10 or 15 minutes learning the song. I don't labor over it. Wow. Um, it's one of those, I learn them right away, I play them right away. They're Sometimes fresh. there's lyrics just off the camera that I'm just like, <laughs> 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 you know, trying desperately to read that I'm trying not to look like I'm reading it because then the performance is honest. So it's, if I labor over something and trying to make something perfect, I don't know. That's, that's not, I don't know. I think the, I I suppose most of the stuff on my YouTube channel is just trying to be like, I can, I can play and sing and perform these songs. And again, they're not laboured over. This is, this is this is live. Like mm-hmm. these songs are live, they're all they're all one take and sometimes I might overdub some backing vocals that I think are desperately missing from the song or some weird piano line that just has to be in the song because it's not the same without it or whatever. But most of the time it's just like, here is the song, like, you know, it might take me two takes or three takes to get it, but I don't labor over it. I'm just it's it's very it's very real. Nice. And sometimes I'll get comments of people being like, why are you using Auto Tune? And I'm like, I physically can't use Auto Tune because I'm playing guitar and singing into one microphone at the same time. Are you insane? Wow. So, so I guess I get nice trolls. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, if you're like getting, that's a nice weird compliment.
0: If you're getting accused of using Auto Tune and it's just raw off the cuff, that's you're doing pretty good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> I, I think. Yeah. <laughs>
0: No, I, I love it. No, is is um is YouTube something that's very you know you're passionate about? Is something you foresee uh, keeping you know uh, part of your routine for for some time to come?
1: I'd like to, I'd like to. Uh, I think it's um it's just another outlet. Like I. I'll generally cut down versions of whatever I put on YouTube to, like, a one-minute version on Instagram. Instagram yeah. And sometimes that's all you'll get and people won't even click through to see, like, a full version. But the people that have subscribed to my channel, obviously, they get notified as soon as something's uploaded mm-hmm. and they're excited about it and they will share it. And there are sometimes they're music lovers and have their own playlists and just save songs or whatever and it's also something like my mom and my sister and um in australia like my sister will notify me and be like i'm just sitting watching a new you know whatever the song was with mom and she loves it that's the best one you've ever done and i'll be like okay i know my mom i know my mom in the sense that as i said as a listener like she would sit through and listen to an album by whoever and just be like, I like this one track. And she would get like a liquid paper pen and like mark on the seat I like track three and track seven. So I know that when my mum really likes something like it's, it's for special. whatever reason she's decided but I know that there's a few of those songs that she really likes so that makes me happy
0: nice well I do I do have encourage people to uh, check out the YouTube channel and do, do subscribe turn on notifications and I just saw uh, Butterfly I just shared your link there a moment ago so there'll be some time, thank you. S- time spent on there for sure and that's the thing too people's attention span today you know like that's why I think Instagram is so hot you know a lot of times people are in the checkout waiting to you know pay for the groceries or whatever it is and they scroll up okay oh I can take a look quick look at this they don't invest the time like they used to everyone's in a hurry Mm. we gotta go gotta go you know so wherever you can get them whether it be Twitter uh, Instagram YouTube you you know and then of course your full-length stuff that's out there you know if if you get them to the full-length stuff awesome but if you can get them to a little taste of the stuff on Instagram that's where, where it really helps
1: yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I, I love the fact that, like, I can make these playlists. Like, I've, I've generally done, like, the covers that I do. I, I mean, I went through a moment of doing, like, all sort of alternative songs but in a sort of more country um, Americana format because that's my genre. But people hearing, like, these alternative songs that, you know, you don't expect to hear, you know, Americana, Australian chick singing Alice in Chains, but, like, I grew up – you know, listening to Alice in Chains and Sun Turbo Pilots and obviously Pumpkins and Soundgarden and but that also went into my music. So those those artists mean a lot to me. Um so I'm gonna cover their music too because it's you know, it's but it's it's also showing it's you know, the uh, people that like alternative music will listen to that song and be like, Oh, that's cool and then people yeah. that like what I do as a, you know, Americana artist will be like, oh, I can appreciate that song now that it's in this version. Like you get that sort of different side of the fence um, from, from listeners, which is interesting. It's interesting when you read the comments, when people actually will listen through an entire playlist of songs. And you'll know because they'll comment on like, you know, song number one of this playlist and then song number, you know, 15 of a playlist from like three years ago. And, you know, they're sitting there and listening to your stuff.
0: They've invested, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'll take that as a huge compliment. Oh, for sure. Because that's time. Yeah, that's the thing. You sometimes,
0: know. you know, you'll upload a video. I've had this happen to me before, and I know a lot of people that are on YouTube, my friends, you know, they'll upload a video, and it's 20 minutes long, and the video's only been there for seven seconds, and they're like, oh, that's great. I really I really loved it. It's like, you didn't watch the video. <laughs> <You didn't listen laughs> it's not hiddenly it. possible, right?
1: But that's, but that's part of social media. I've learned yeah, I that. I mean, obviously, being in the public eye the way that I am in, you know, various fashions, I suppose, I've learned that, sometimes people will follow whether it's you on youtube or instagram or twitter or whatever it is they might like your music or they might like your personality yeah. or they might like just the association like i you know i have some people that um you know i have now invested in what i'm doing as a result from uh, me being uh, a touring musician in the pumpkins and have now you know backtracked into going oh she does this other music too yeah and it's you know or it may have taken a couple of years for them to work out that i have other music um you know, and that's fine. However, you find what I'm doing, that's that's great. I don't, I don't really care how you find my music, as long as you eventually find, like, follow the, you know, the breadcrumbs or whatever, or the yellow brick road to wherever it is that they're going. Um, that's great.
0: Yeah, I, and it's it sounds funny, but there might be some people that don't know you play in pumpkins and they find you through your own thing. And it's, Oh my God, you play with pumpkins or vice versa. Right. I like that. Like you say, it doesn't matter where they come in from. As long as you, as long as they find something that they like when they get there. And then now they discover that back catalog and there is that sponge again. Now they're the sponge want to take in as much of the content that you've had over your career as they can possibly get.
1: Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's really cool. It's cool. The way that things work out like that. I was playing a house concert a few weeks ago and, and I, you know, was telling the audience how, you know, I'm also, a, my side hustle is also playing as a side musician in the, in the Smashing Pumpkins. And like afterwards I had a, you know, a couple of people come up to me and they'd be like, oh, I love their song, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it's,
1: but it's, but like, I'll, you know, that's great. Like that's, that's, you know, they knew the band at least. So that's, that's great. But, it, you know, they're obviously really hardcore country, you know, country music fans and that's cool. Yeah. You know.
0: Well, yeah. one of the things I try to profess on this show all the time is I like no matter who I have on the show, I'm not going to say I'm an expert on their career. I'm not an expert on the Smashing Pumpkins. Now, growing up as a kid, you know, like I liked a lot of 80s, you know, 80s rock, like, you know, like, you know, uh, Dio and you know, Def Leppard and obviously Van Halen and just, you know, yeah. 80s rock. If I could if I could put myself back in the 80s and in times when I got stuck there, I could live with myself very, very comfortably back then. Um, it's Smashing Pumpkins, I would listen to them, but it, only would I know their hits, you know, the big hits on mm. the radio. And I'm not going to say I was a diehard fan. I was a fan like the next guy or girl would be, but that's it. But then fast forward till now, and I, I mean it in the best of ways, just because I didn't, I didn't peel back the layers of the onion, so to speak, and just look to see what was under the layers. And so we got to see you guys uh, twice in the past two years. Um, and I told you off the air, uh, London, Ontario, and Toronto, Ontario. And thanks to our friend, Jeff, you know, he, you know, gave us, you know, VIP which was really, really kind of him hooked you
2: up. Yeah. And, and Drew, <laughs> his,
0: his guitar tech was phenomenal. Good friends as well now too. But it's, after seeing the concert, it's just like, wow. And so after that junior and I, for the next two or three days, and even quite often still to this day, we're listening to, you know, the greatest hits and things like that. And the new record, thanks to Apple music and things like that. It's like, now I, I hear it so different. It's like my ears were—I heard it, but now I'm experiencing the music and the layers, the songwriting. So that's where I'm going to kind of go off on a weird tangent here. Speaking of songwriters that I like, uh, Billy, and Billy has some of the some of the coolest lyrics, some of the best melodies, uh, the song structure. I'm curious to see uh, when did you meet him, and I guess it was kind of a magical moment for you guys when you got together. And what was it like meeting him, and and when was that?
1: Uh, well, because of my association, my p- producer, Howard, has worked with, the, um, with Smashing Pumpkins since, I think, 99. I think that was roughly it. So he worked on Machina and Adore and has kept a long-running relationship with them as a um, producer and as an engineer, and there's a – with within the Smashing Pumpkins, there's very it's a very tight knit sort of family. I want to say, yeah. So once that once somebody sort of brought into a situation, they're generally in there for a long run. Um, if it works, you know, if, if it works out and if personalities, you know, work together. Um. So I was I was brought in. Originally, when um Billy knew who I was as an artist as because he knew Howard and was like, which you know would would Katie want to open up a a show for me as a solo show and this was in um, Chicago in 2014 And of course, I'm like, yes because <laughs> I you know i've been a, I've been a fan for a really long time and you know, even my early cover bands in Australia, we covered Pumpkins. Like, I I, I was a fan. Um, I mean, I suppose as much of, I mean, I always, I always loved his songs, but as much as a fan of, like, I love these hits, and I didn't dig right into, like, you know, the, the deep cuts or anything like that, I, I suppose. I... I I don't know, I don't I think it's just because I played so many gigs at the time. Mm-hmm. I was I was just like, do I and I you know, am I learning this song or am I just listening to this song? I was in that sort of blurred sort of realm when when I was actually listening to them the most. Um, but when I finally met Billy and opened up this show and was just like got to see him do his thing and it was you know, he's he's very tall and he's very welcoming. And he's got a huge, you know, he's got a lot of charisma and a lot of energy about him that, you know, it was very special for me that first show for that reason. And I thought nothing, you know. That, that's it. That's that's the end of the thing. Goodbye. <laughs> you know, great, great knowing you. Yeah.
2: Um.
1: You know, because that's usually how those things sort of pan out. But, um. Again, what I was saying earlier, uh, you know, there is this family thing. So, um, Billy reached out to Howard to ask about me for uh, for a twenty fifteen tour, which would be the In Plain Song uh, tour, which would be the acoustic electro tour um would i want to open up that tour so of course i'm like yes
2: sure i think that's
1: pretty pretty accurate (laughs) rundown (laughs) of exactly how things yeah um so it it i was locked in to open up those shows but then it, it evolved into do you want to also play bass on a few songs during our set so i was like okay and I play guitar and basses. I'm a I'm a metronome as a guitarist because I'm more of a rhythm player. So sure. to me that was like okay I can do that. You know I played bass before. I'm not I'm not a bass player, but I can play bass and I've got I've got good timing. You know as my mm-hmm. you know so I'm fine with that. So it was like cool okay I'm doing that now. And I think that was that that first tour was very much an icebreaker for the crowd because it wasn't just like she's doing her set because I did my set and I threw in like a New Order cover and was like, you know, playing the role of winning over the crowd and them listening to my, you know, you know Americana songs and going, that's not alternative. Yeah. <laughs> but anything on acoustic guitar can be interpreted however your brain wants it to. So as soon as you sort of parallel my songs to something that's alternative in the same set, the crowd will change and be like, oh, that's okay, that makes sense now, and then the next step above that is me standing on stage playing with the band, then that those cogs turn a lot faster. So I, I suppose I developed um, good relationships with the fans right after the, that tour because they saw – me do my thing and also with the band it wasn't just a musician it was like here's a musician that also has songs so yeah. that's been my association from pretty much day one with the band and then the second leg of that in playing song to jimmy chamberlain came back to play drums and um james e. Huck um, came back to play guitar on a couple of the key shows so he played la and chicago and uh a couple of the couple of shows that we did at the beacon in new york and the fans obviously lost their minds immensely because <laughs> it was like this is really happening. Yeah. you know this kind of re- reunion of sorts was re- was it wasn't just this talk anymore. It was like this is really happening, and here's me, Australian dingo on stage playing <laughs> playing bass. Look, but you could you know it's like you're having this you know you know experience, but it's sort of out of body at the same time. Because so, I could see the fans, I could see their faces and what was happening on stage, and the, you know there was chemistry, and it was like this is. This is really good, you know. This, this is good, and you know, it was, you know, I, and again, I got, finished that tour and was like, this is never gonna happen again. Yeah. You know, every time I've had a tour with them, it's been like, this has been great. I'm super grateful. Um, you know, every time I've I've been asked to play another tour, so then, fast forward to uh, last year, which is 2018, which was, we're doing an arena tour. Um, do you want to play keys? And I'm like. Me and my bass role, yes, of course. I play keys. I've always played keys. I'm, you know, I'm a solid player. I, I'm a confident player when I when I'm on stage because I know my job. Mm-hmm. Um, of course I'll, you know, of course I'll, of course I'll play play keys. And um, Jack Bates, who's who's the son of Peter Hook, who is New Order, and you know, those bands are playing bass, and he's an incredible bass player, young English guy, and just you know solid rock player. And I'm like, uh, you know, cause of people, you know, some of the fans are asking me, you know, you should be playing bass and Smashing Pumpkins needs a girl playing. And it's like, he's a, he's a far superior bass player. There's no question about that. I'm happy just to do my thing. And I really think my, one of my key roles in this um, touring lineup is what I do as a vocalist. So I, I think, um, you know, Billy has, has an exceptional vocal that, I think a lot of people, until they really see him live, and I'm sure you went through the same thing when you saw the couple of shows. He can sing those songs, and the range that he's got, and the power that he's got, and he can just go for however long the show is. Like the 2018 tour, we we're playing three hours and fifteen minutes or so. Those that's a long show to be playing these intricate songs and singing at you know your your peak volume with. And his range is exceptional, but to be using every part of your voice and to have that power for that long is—that's no easy feat. So I suppose my job, as much as being a musician, is to support what he's doing locally, give him the support, you know, sing out those harmonies or double him where he needs to be, and just give just give it that little bit extra power. You know, give him a bit of space to take a breath when he needs it. And mm-hmm. I, I just like to really support rather than singing on top of what he's doing. I just, I want to sit there and just do, do the like supporting actor role. <laughs> you know
2: yeah.
1: Like just do, do that, you know, so that I'm, I'm there to sing with him. And I, I think he, he got that very quickly that, you know, I'm, I'm not like other vocalists that he's work with, that I, I know how to use, I know how to use what I've got and how to, how to be supportive and, yeah, I enjoyed. I enjoyed a lot, and I enjoy singing these songs, um, especially with him and his his solo stuff. I I sang on, I think five or six of the new solo songs um, that he's got coming out, and um, yeah, it's just just an it's a, just a pleasure.
0: That's fantastic. Well, we can give away a little bit of a surprise. You've got a gig tomorrow. Tell us about that one. Woo
2: woo woo! <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, no, it's um well, I well, I want to backtrack. Just a little bit, because sure. we, we played in Europe earlier on um, this year. I was going to say last year, but it was this year. This is where my brain's at right now. What year is it? Where am I? <laughs> um, but we were in Europe earlier on in the year, and we did a, a, a solo run. We were doing the band shows in Europe, but then we took a two-week break to do a solo run. Um, so Billy was doing – right, look, I opened up, and then he did his show, and then I um, would come out and sing a couple of songs with him during his set, and it just felt – so good to play those shows because hearing him do his thing solo is one of my favourite things of all time. I just, you can hear the songs as they are and you can't, like he's got such a presence you just can't, you just, it's one of those things that you're just like, oh my god, cool Uh, I don't know how else to explain that, you've seen him live, I'm sure you've had the same moment too, but we're playing um, tomorrow night at the CMA Theatre in Nashville. I'm going to be the special guest, um Surprise! Nice. Um, so I'm I'm opening up that show, and um, I'll also be a guest during his set too. Um, pretty much like what we did in Europe, and it's just such yeah these new songs that he's got are really great, and I'm yeah super super proud to be a part of them, and super excited to be asked to you know play this show too. I th- yeah, it's anyone that's going to be there is going to have a great time.
0: Oh, that's going to be fantastic, and hometown now for you, which is nice.
1: I know it is my it is my hometown. I've been here. Like I was in LA for. I was in LA for a little bit longer than I've been in Nashville now and um, Nashville always always just felt like just cool it's just I don't know it's just like big small town I it was it's always kind of felt yeah like home to me so this is my hometown enough for now <laughs>
0: Well, that's good. I, th- I think it's going to be fantastic. And maybe, maybe I, I am I don't want to make you answer anything that you can't say. And you, you've always talked about, you know, it's so, okay. So we do the tour. It gets done. Are they going to call me again? You know, th- is there more future with you at the band next year? Or is there something that you maybe can't allude to?
1: I don't know yet. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I mean, Honestly, as I, when I was telling the truth, when I said, I like, I didn't know that I was even going to be doing the European shows until I was doing them and didn't know I was doing the American shows until I was on the road doing the European shows. So, I mean, sometimes maybe there's talk about me being involved before they actually, actually reach out to me. But, like, I'm honestly, I'm just happy to have just a great relationship with them there's all like all the guys in the band you know jimmy james jeff billy jack you know i mean it's 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 crazy like they're all such great guys so it's not it's a pleasure to be asked to play with them at any time and it's, it's always a great hang and yeah i'm i don't know couldn't tell you don't know what's in store for, uh, in store for next year i know i've got music coming out but i don't know what's happening on a touring front
0: well, let's keep our fingers crossed on that for sure. I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. And I'm sure if, if uh, they're picking back up, I know you'll be uh, uh, considered for sure. And I'll look forward to that. I'll go see you guys again, too. You guys had some great uh, television experience um, coverage, you know, some of the late night talk shows and stuff over this with a new record and things like that. That must have been uh, a lot of fun.
1: I, I was very um, I've had so many bucket list checks f- from my association with this band. I just can't. You know sometimes you aspire to like one day I wish I could that the I've had I mean I've played you know Wembley in the UK I've played Bridgestone Arena here in in Nashville and Madison Square Garden and the Ryman here in Nashville which is the mother church and I I mean these things that I never thought I would ever do I've I've done and one of my bucket list checks got completed this year when we played, um, we played the um, Stephen Colbert's Late Show, which is at the Ed Sullivan Theater. And like my, one of my one of my things was always like to play Dave Letterman.
2: Oh, right on! And
1: obviously he's not just because I grew up, I grew up with that, sure. so it was always one of those, you know, one day and but just to be in. I mean, I love Stephen Colbert. He's an incredible human being. super funny and smart. But he, just to be in that theater too was just like. To stand where other, you know, other greats have stood, and, and all that stuff. Right? It's it, none of that stuff is ever lost lost on me. It's 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 always that whoa. And I've had quite a few of those whoa moments, and that was one of them. And earlier on in the, in the year in Europe, we played some of those big festivals like Download, and it's wow. like, oh, this is what a hundred thousand people looks like. <laughs> yeah. Be cool. Be cool, Katie. Yeah. It's cool. Everything's cool. Remember to breathe. Are you breathing? Well done. Um, that's, you know, you have those moments where you don't think you're going to react the way that you are and then you do and you're like, uh, you know, know, I never get stage fright or anything like that, but you still, it's, you, you can't help but if you're having one of those moments where you're either meeting someone that's, um, that means a lot to you or being in a place that, you know, other greats have, have, have been, it's, you, you know, I'm just super grateful.
0: Well, congrats on all those little bucket list moments for sure. Because everyone, ha- you know, puts things on a, on kind of a list. You know what they'd like to achieve. And believe it or not, you might get a kick out of this. My one of my bucket list places to visit is Australia. It's probably it's probably number one. You know, honestly, I'd like to do, I'd like to visit England and Japan and things like that. But Australia. Um, and I work very closely with the folks at road who are, you know, um, Australia based road microphone. Yeah. So it is definitely on my list and you know, everyone always stereotypes, you know, what's it like to go there and, you know, we're going to see big spiders and all this kind of stuff. And like everyone thinks here in Canada, as soon as they get across the border, they need snowshoes and stuff like that. You know, we, we <laughs> you know what it is, right? But it's so high on my list. So I'm hoping one day, you know, I'm, I'm 51 this year. I'm hoping we, before I'm too old to do it, I'll see Australia. So, um, I, I, I look forward to that for sure though.
1: You definitely should go. I mean, I, I meet so many people that that's usually the first thing they do. Oh, I really want to go there. And I'm just like, I know the flight is expensive because I have to fork it out every year just about. I get it, but it's worth it. Like, just to just to be there, it's just, a, I mean, it's. I'm from Melbourne originally, so mm-hmm. that's my that's my jam right there. But I there's something about Australians and being in, being in Australia, they're really kind of down-to-earth people and, you know,
0: yeah, I've, go. Heard, I've heard that because we follow a lot of different people on YouTube, different, you know, different types of things that they do. Um, and just generally what I've seen, both from people, you know, that are um, locals there and just the commentary we get back and forth, it just seems like a nice, positive, um, you know, a nice, positive place. I'm sure like any territory you're going to have some riffraff and things like that as well, too. But what I've seen, it seems very, very positive and, and inviting.
1: Yeah. I mean, aside from the giant spiders, yes.
0: Yeah. Is that a thing? Is that a thing?
1: Well, there are, I mean, there's, yes, there's a lot of things there that may or may not kill you. Okay. But, but I remember that, I remember that was one of the first things I asked somebody. I'm like, I'm like, there's a spider up there. Will that kill you? <laughs> I was like, no, and I was like, oh, okay then, that's cool. Um, but yes, there are, you know, there's, a, there are some things, but you know, you just have to be aware of what they are, and they're not everywhere, and it's not, you know, yeah, you're not just like, oh, cool, there's just like, you know, snakes everywhere or something. It's, it's like any place. If if, if it becomes a little bit more foresty or you know, there's more trees and whatnot, then yeah, there's probably going to be some more, but you know, whatever out there, but yeah. Just yeah. use your common sense. If if there's a snake, probably don't
2: hug it.
0: <laughs> so probably, probably if you you were over here and I said there's a, if I got scared because I'm scared of spiders, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to lie, I'm definitely afraid of spiders. I'm the, I'm the uh, resident spider catcher or exterminator here for for the better half. Cool. Cause she's getting better. She's getting some. She's getting more brave. But if I showed you a spider here, you'd probably say that's not a spider.
1: Yeah, I'd do that Crocodile Dundee move. That's not a (laughs) knife, totally.
0: (laughs) We have a spider that's about this big, barely see it, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but it's cool. You should definitely go there though. Don't worry about any of that stuff. You just go enjoy yourself, go eat some good food and drink some coffee and you'll be good.
0: That sounds good to (laughs) me. It's good, I'll I'll definitely take your advice on that. I'm curious to see with all the touring that you do, songwriting, uh, special shows and things like that, what do you do for downtime? Do you have any other passions like photography or art or reading is there what what is a kind of a outside of music that's a nice passion for you
1: what is this downtime that you i speak know that's of? what i'm thinking
0: i know <laughs> i know i don't think you have any but i'm curious
1: um honestly it's really hard to get my brain out of that sort of creative realm mm-hmm. i mean i i love i suppose i love watching movies um I've just been like I I know I missed the boat her- horribly, but I just started getting into that show Mad Men on Netflix. Um, honestly, like I I don't I mean I like to I like to travel I and mean, I get to do a lot of that as a you know as a touring entity. So a lot of little things that you know you know I don't take big vacations. I just end up trying to enjoy what I can when I'm already traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, people that have followed my Instagram, I've had various people tell me that they were super thankful that I'd post these little snippets of me being in this place or that place, and people are asking me about, oh, did you have a day off, or you know, it seems like you've had a lot of downtime. It's like, no, I've had none, but like the couple of hours that I, you know, got each day, I'd be like, I want to go see this, you know, what's where am I in this city? There's this landmark or this museum or whatever, and I just try and appreciate wherever I am and. I don't do, I'm not as uh, aggressive with my time, I suppose when I'm off the road, Um, I'm not like, how am I, what am I doing with each hour this day? Um, Especially if I'm in a more creative sensibility, I just want to try and, as I said before, like try and load up some ideas. Um, I do like to travel. I like to, I don't read as much as I should. I end up reading more when I'm on the road, when you just get stuck with his, I've got this amount of time and I'm going to be on a plane or whatever. Um, Honestly it's mostly creative and mostly songwriting and just just trying to be a good human being yeah.
2: <laughs> Well, that's good. You What's know, well, nice yeah. to get out of
0: the hotel too is some people are just trapped in the hotel on the, you know before the gig, after the gig. So at least you're taking yeah. advantage of the uh, you know the scenery around you, and that's probably something nice too. I'm sure. I mean, uh, talk about bucket list things. There's probably as a young girl, you know, thinking you know I'd like to see this part of the world. I'd love to see America. I'd love to see Japan. I'd love to see this. And you've got to see. You like to see Canada and places like that. And music has taken you on those things. So there's another little yeah. bucket list thing you can check off too.
1: Oh, definitely. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm very, very lucky. I do understand that, and but I do think it's you know taking initiative, like I did. Like I, I did sacrifice some sleep here and there yeah. just to go see, like whatever this landmark or this museum or what, whatever, or this. I am to a lot of botanical gardens when I was in Europe just to. I like being outside and in gardens and looking at flowers like a
2: girl. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but like it makes me happy, so I'm like, it it puts me in a place where I can either be centered or just like, it allows me to just be more creative when I'm seeing things that I don't usually see or textures or shapes or colors, or, you know, it, it just, it, it creates a different level or a different space inside your brain that you I don't know, to me, it's expanding in that way. So um, I just try and, I try and do th- those types of things. But when I'm, you know, back in my city in Nashville, I, I, I do a little bit less of that. But like I, there's still a garden, like a botanical gardens here that I like to go to, you know, when I can. Um, but yeah, honestly, I don't get tons of downtime, but I just try and, yeah, I just try and be creative and, yeah,
0: there's learn
1: learn something new.
0: For sure. There's a botanical gardens in Nashville, you're saying?
1: Yeah, well, it's a garden called Cheekwood, which I love. Okay. Yeah, and they put on like holiday lights, and they do different seasonal things. But it's just a it's just a nice place to go to. I'm a member of the gardens there.
0: Nice. <laughs> well, the, the reason why my my you know kind of ears perked up there a little bit, obviously, I'm thinking of my better half here, Sandra. She's a uh, she's a green thumb, and uh, I mean, she's has beautiful, beautiful uh, luck with plants. She's she's a, a really skilled. Uh, green Thumb when it comes to that, and I, we're talking about going down to Summer Nam. We're going to Winter Nam this January, but we're going to do Summer Ooh. Nam next year as well too. And if that's within uh, reach, we'll bring her there and have a look. She'll be in her glory.
1: Yeah, you should. And yeah. Summer Nam's fun. Nashville, Nashville Nam is fun because it's small and not as I don't know. Have you been to Winter Nam several times? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. I, I look it's at it's a bit. It's a bit much sometimes. Yeah,
0: I look at <laughs> I look at um, from what, I'm, what I've seen, uh, Nashville Nam is kind of like Nam light you know yeah, let's, yeah you kind of breathing room yeah. and yeah
1: yeah it's not It's some you know you you can you don't have to just listen to like yeah it's yeah it's 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 like a it's it's approachable it's approachable Nam. the other is just a bit like by the end of a day, you're like, I'm done. Like I can't hear cymbals ever again. <laughs> yeah.
0: Or, you know, in the winter nam all you hear is like 90,000 90, arpeggios on, yeah. you know, a 12 string guitar, you know, 18 string guitars. And it's yeah. <laughs> this crazy but stuff. It is,
1: but it is, it is amazing. And like, I'm, I've, you know, I've, I've been to all the NAMs, you know, many times and it's, you know, you always end up running into great people oh, and for making sure. great associations. Like I've, you know, I've made, you know, some great contacts there for gear that I use and I've always approached um, companies with with gear that I already use because that makes the most sense to me. And I've made some great associations just from showing up and talking to people and just being honest and being like, I don't use anything else. Yeah, that's (laughs) right. That
0: goes a long way, brand loyalty for sure. We got talking about this off the air as well too. And um, we had our friend here in the the chat just a few minutes ago. I think he might still be here. He might have left Andrew, but he used to work uh, for Yamaha Guitar Group, Line Mm -hmm. 6, and that's how I know him. And uh, Yamaha has come a very, very long way. Let's talk a little bit. Uh, we've got about, uh, about 15, 20 more minutes uh, okay. before we wrap up. Let's talk about, because like, you told me too off the air that you were always very technical back in the day. You ran your own sound or you had your own PA. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about some of the brands that you're um, representing today that uh, that have, you know, uh, endorsing you or you're endorsing them and, and which ones that you like the most.
1: Uh, well, I'm, I'm using uh, Yamaha guitars and I grew that association through the Smashing Pumpkins and, you know, met their rep there who... You know was very supportive from day one just because you know they want to put guitars in the hands of people that are using them that are you know active and are you know ma- you know marketing themselves playing shows whatever whatever you want to call it and I've, I've used several yamaha guitars now and i started off with the um the ll-16 um which is a passive you know passive input and that's what i played the most when i played guitar with the pumpkins but then I was playing the um, the, AR, well, the A3R, which I have one of those, and then I now I have one of the Red Label. I'm pointing behind me. I don't know if you can see. Just a headstock, little, a tiny bit. Yeah. I've got one of the new uh, Red Label series. It's um, I did a demonstration for them. They asked me if I'd do a video series for them testing out this new Red Label um, model, and as soon as I played it, I was just like, it's not like oh i need this guitar but it was like i would love to have this it just felt it was one of the i suppose i mean i like i, I like all the Yamaha's that i have for a different reason but there was something really familiar about it and I, I don't know whether it was like i couldn't i've never owned um um a martin i've owned a plethora of other guitars but it felt like it similar sort of neck to that it just felt familiar nice um and i you know i sort of told them that and i told them that on camera and off camera as well like it just a lot of singer songwriters are going to like this guitar because it feels it's not like you want something familiar to you but when it does feel familiar and it then the neck feels good and it's just i don't know i i'm I'm not so great with words sometimes. No, I they get it. They come out of my mouth, but they're not um that intricate. But it just felt it just felt good to me. So I was really honest with them and said I really like this one. I'd love to have this, and and they were like, sure, we'd love to we'd love to share this with you. And I've been playing it ever since, and it's been great. Um, I mean, I have other brands that I I work with, like Sennheiser. I've I've been sponsored by them for a number of years, and that association just started from me reaching out to them because I'm play I've used all their gear forever and I like their microphones and um I'm just like I've always used your mics so you know is there you know is there anything we could talk about together and I'm I'm as persistent as the next person I'm pretty proactive and I'm pretty forward with um people that I want to talk to and I I don't think there's any harm in ever reaching out to anybody um you know worst case scenario is nobody ever replies or people are like that's or we don't have we can't we don't have anything for you or we can't work with you or whatever but I'm always of the mindset of use gear and reach out to companies that you're already using because it's honest that way that's and, right I mean that's how my association I, I use Martin Strings as well and that's how my association started with them it was one of those Nam things where I you know you know wandered up to the the Martin String booth and was just like I, at that time, I wasn't playing Yamahas. I was playing my old um, my mate on Australian guitar, which I love, which is – and I was talking about Tommy Emmanuel, Australian, you know, phenom guitarist that some people know and some people don't know. And if you don't know, please look him up because you're insane for not knowing him. <laughs> um, incredible acoustic player, Tommy Emmanuel. And I was talking to the Martin Strings guy about that. And he's like, oh, we just <laughs> – he, he's just got a new string line out and blah, blah, blah. And so, I, you know, I got chatting with them and I'm just like, I've always used – always use these strings. They're just, that's how it works for me. Um, you know, that's, I, honestly, I think just use stuff that you, you know, just talk to companies that, of, of stuff that you already use because it's just pointless. Otherwise, otherwise you end up with, I mean, people are like, but free stuff, but free stuff is kind of rubbish if you don't use it or if it's not as good as the thing that you want to use. Like,
2: yeah.
0: you're kind of
1: being dishonest or whatever.
0: Yeah, you can't recommend um, it to your fans, you know, because some of your fans mm-hmm. musicians You say, you know, oh, you're going to love this guitar and then they're going to hate it. And then yeah. now you've done a real disservice to your fan yeah. and to the brand.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I'm not, I, re- I mean, I'm a, a gear person as much as I need to be. I, I just want to find the best possible thing to use and I'll use it until I find the next, you know, the next thing I want to use or until I'll use something until it breaks. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's how I am. And I'm, you know, I, I I know what I like the sound of and I, I know what I don't like the sound of. And I can, you know, like I was saying to you off, I was going to say off camera, off air, yeah. off, off, off computer. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've, I can, you know, I can, I've always run my own sound and, you know, owned my own PA systems and I can, I've always known what I like and what doesn't work or what brands break down the most and, <laughs> I don't own a. I don't own much of live equipment anymore because I don't need to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, generally, don't need to take my own PA into Bridgestone Arena. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank goodness,
0: right? Because <laughs> that, that'd be a big but, PA system to uh, to fill that venue.
1: But I'm um, I mean, I'm thankful for. Um, I mean, on my last uh, on my last EP that I recorded working with Howard, like he's got a really good association with. Um, with uh, Chandler uh, mics so we were using them um, uh, there it's like the the EMI mic that they've got the red mic
2: mm-hmm. and it,
1: it was just just this whole other experience and yeah I just I mean honestly I'm I'm always up for listening to new stuff and I trust people that have good ears and I, I'm I'm a simple person like the the, the the condenser mic that I still have is a number of years old because it just hasn't broken yet it's an old Neumann uh, TLM um, 103 which is Kind of, it's it's a little bit of a beta mic, but I love it. Again, yeah. it hasn't broken. It's been accidentally dropped once, uh, but it's still fine. <laughs> so it's like okay, um, yeah. I'm 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 happy to I'm happy to use what I've got. Um, yeah.
0: Well, the old cliche if it's not broke you don't have to fix it right so
2: yes but I think, correct
0: I think you correct. having that technical background you know doing the your own shows being your own sound person you know having an understanding of you know gear and how that works I think that helps you as a music, musician as well too and at the same time too um you know respect your your you know your crew your backline people you know you you know what the, what it's like to do all that stuff now they're doing it on a much larger scale than you've ever done before So it's yeah. it just I think it really works into your I don't know just your work ethic
1: yeah, it it really does, and I, I think that's part of yeah you're absolutely nailing it. It's part of the part of the deal. When I'm brought into a bigger a bigger association like the Smashing Pumpkins, it's like knowing who's on the crew and you know, if, I mean I'm super grateful, but just you know, learning everyone's names, what their jobs are, being yeah. thankful for, thankful that they're working as hard as what they're working, and you know. All the jobs that I used to do playing live, it's like they're doing it on a much bigger scale, but, you know, they're they're working a lot harder than what we are. We're just, we're just showing up and playing. Like I, I'm not doing all that grunt work anymore, but I, you know, on, on some level, I totally get what it's like doing that. But it's, yeah,
0: Yeah. I I think, Yeah. No, it's, it's good for sure. Now this is something I don't know about you. I mean, whether you play acoustic guitar, you play electric guitar, or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. you you play guitar. But do you play yeah. electric much? And if if you have, have you tried? And because we we're talking about Yamaha a second ago, have you tried the Rev Stars? I mean, I know you've seen Jeff. No, on stage I as-
1: haven't. I really haven't um, tried their electrics. I've. I mean, I do play electric. I don't play electric as much as what I used to. Um, I Just prefer acoustic because mm-hmm. it's like it's rhythmic and uh, I don't know. So it, I suppose it's easier as a songwriting tool. Um, I've heard so many good things, and obviously I've heard them, and they sound amazing. And yeah, I yeah, I I love playing electric. I just don't do it as much as I could slash should. Yeah. But, um. Yeah.
0: I've I've never seen you play electric, so I didn't know. So I thought I'd venture that question. Yeah. But yeah, borrow one of Jeff sometime next time you see him and try it because they're very very cool. And then of course they have the Pacifica line too which is you know kind of a strat style you yeah. know so to speak but the beautiful guitars as well too yeah yeah now
1: they they really the yeah yamaha have come a really long way they certainly yeah. have
0: so did i read somewhere today i think you might have when you were sharing one of my posts this is something i didn't know um do you have an, a, a new video that's about to debut
1: yes i do um i'm not sure whether it'll be next week or the week after but in the next couple of weeks i've got a new video coming out for um, I, I just put out a couple of songs, uh, when was this, last month? No, 27th of September, I put out a what I would call a double A-side single, which back in the day would be like a song on one side of the of the vinyl, then you'd flip it and it would be another one, but this is digital, so you're not flipping anything, you're not even doing anything. Um, but still it's putting out two songs rather than one and I put out two songs called Lullaby and the second song was called Mile In My Shoes and I I just shot a video for Mile In My Shoes and it's really cool That's from- and, and once I put it out if everyone that everyone that's subscribed if you could watch it like half a million times each that would be <laughs> let's just run those numbers up that would be great I'm not asking too much
0: <laughs> well I'll, I'll get some notice obviously from your YouTube channel but you have my email address now so give me a little bit of a heads up and I mean, yeah. not that my my channel here is going to do much of anything get, other than get you a couple more likes, but just share it with me, please, and then I'll be I'll, I'll share it on our network as well too. Oh, thank you. Plus, I'll be greedy. Thank I want to go you. see it first too. So,
1: oh, cool. I, I got some cool. I mean, I got some cool players on it. It's a really it's a sparse, um, really a more sparse guitar song. So I've got um, Tim Pierce on it and nice. Elliot T- Tashinsky and I'm trying to think who else is on it, but just some good guitarists on there. Um, yeah it's a it's a cool song but okay. yeah I'll let you know that I appreciate that that'd oh, be for cool. sure
0: something I, might, I meant to say this is totally off topic here but something I think you would appreciate we're talking about uh, you know cool producers and you know just and recording concepts and things like that I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but I had him on the show um, about two weeks back. John um, he you know, he's obviously played in the Rockets with Eddie Money back in the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But he's uh, a great producer and engineer, and he's worked um, heavily with Joe Satriani. And, you know, that's one of his you know, well, claims to fame as well, too, amongst other things, too. But he runs a really cool thing on his YouTube channel. You should check it out. It's called One Mic Series. Mm -hmm. and and I think you'd love this he started off it was doing more kind of like you know single acts and then some duos but the bands you know like this kind of talks about your YouTube channel where you say you don't really rehearse too much you just off the cuff and whatever feels fresh they do that sometimes they'll have four or five piece bands will come in it's one mic in the middle of the room and I I I, I have to apologize I don't know the name of the mic I, I forget what it is it's a stereo mic I think yeah but I'll send you a link later on to his channel. Cool. I really think you would appreciate it. Just, no, I'd love to see. Yeah, just to capture that that dynamic, and they film it now with video too. But there's no overdubs. There's no mistakes. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. There is mistakes. If the artist makes a mistake, yeah, it's, there. it's what it is. Yeah. So I I like that off the cuff kind of thing like that, and that's the yeah. same as your channel.
1: Yeah. No, I think it's it shows it shows musicianship in 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 another sort of level. And I mean, to me, that's if you don't ever get out to see live performers, like that's kind of your best. to seeing what someone's like in an unrehearsed, unedited environment. It's just Mm -hmm. like, here it is, you know, here it is, here we go.
0: That's why I used to like growing up. I mean, I don't want to, when I use the term bootlegs, when it comes to bootleg records, you know, I'm not trying to take money out of the artist's uh, pockets, but, you know, there's all these bootlegs that are shared all over the place. I sometimes like listening to bootlegs because the, some of these live albums that we thought growing up were live were further sing from live. You know? Mm. you know, I was a Kiss fan as a kid, right? I'm still a Kiss fan. And, you know, you kiss Alive, you think it's one of the best sounding live records ever, and it's been overdubbed to death. So the the mistakes, the rawness, maybe sometimes if it was a band that, you know, had only one guitar player, you Mm. know, so now there's not that overdub when he or she's going off on a guitar solo. You're hearing just the bass player. I really love that. Yeah. Yeah, flying by the seat of your pants.
1: Well, it just changes. I mean, I'm always a fan of um, alternative recordings. Mm -hmm. And I mean, part of uh, when I put out um, the things that break part one EP last year, part of the thing in my brain was, I mean I did put out a video um, this year for one of the songs off it but I also did a video series that I called um, the shoebox sessions um, and I put some of those videos on my YouTube which are me in the studio with two other players doing alternative versions of these songs in one take with cameras so it's like I mean was a whole other lot of technical stuff like it was pretty ambitious for me to do like you know here's it's not just here, let's do some videos it's like here let's do some videos and recording and look good and sound good at the same time and mm-hmm. try not to make too many faces because I pull faces when I sing sometimes because you, you're not thinking about that you're thinking about performance sure. Um, but like I've you know I, I they turned out so well like I really loved these alternative versions so much that I was like, well, you know and I chatted to Howard who who engineered the sessions and he was just like, Let's just, let's just get these mastered. And so I put out this alternative, you know, version of this EP. And I've watched, like, on Spotify, like, some people have, like, added this to their playlist, like, this alternative version rather than the original. And I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. Like, that's cool. Like, I'm, I'll take that. That's That's interesting. That's yeah. Right.
0: They're adding it. That's all that matters.
1: True. But I, I think it's interesting because I tried to do that thing of like, if you don't ever get out to see a show of mine, mm-hmm. here's what some of this can be. Yeah, And even that may inspire you to whether you come out to, see, I don't care if you come to see me, but just go out to see somebody like go experience what it's
0: like exactly that's a yeah again we had more we had quite the conversation off off camera but we're talking about two and so, like a friend invites you to go see uh i got two extra tickets to go see uh so and so and you're like oh i don't like country i, I don't want to go go or if it's a, a pop artist or something like that r&b or hip-hop or whatever uh or if it's a heavy metal band and you're not in heavy metal go see the band because you might have a whole new appreciation for them coming back from that live uh yeah. experience yeah. Totally,
1: totally, totally agree with you on that. I mean, life, you can't you can't substitute that. And sometimes, like, I think part of, I mean, it's I can't be like, you know, the, you know, the new music industry, I can't yell at it too much and be like, get off my lawn <laughs> um, because that's what it turns into. But, yeah. I, I mean, we, we've turned into this sort of, you know, s- songs being here's a single and here's another single whereas if you go to see a live act you're not seeing one song or two songs you're seeing you know a half hour or more of music and you're getting you might be a couple songs but in before you're even invested in what the artist is doing live before you even are in the mood or before you know the sound is even good so you it's just it's a different it's always a different experience to see somebody live because i don't know it's, it's an emotional experience and my favorite my favorite shows that I've done have been smaller and intimate shows because you get to see people's reactions. They're right there. And That's they, right. They, again, you can watch them having this emotional experience with you when you, you tell a story and it just connects and like the room just shifts. All of a sudden you you're like, Okay, they're listening to me now. That's like right. I might have played the first couple of songs, but now they're really listening. It just yeah. changes everything.
0: Emotionally invested, if, if physical contact, the eyesight, yeah. you know, the emotion as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You mentioned one of your last videos, and we'll wrap up here in a second. But that was from things that break. Now, was that the Graceland video that you shot?
1: Um, I shot, yeah. I shot Graceland, yeah. And I, I did that. Um, I, I mean, I'm always trying to do something a little different, I suppose. We did that as a, a one running shot, um, and it was am- ambitious in the sense that the director was like, "I really want you to be crying <laughs> through this through this video," and I'm not an, an actor. I can't. So that's tough. No, it's, it's So it was like how do I, what do I, who? <laughs> like it, it was all those questions that were running in my head before we shot this. But I worked out how to how to bring that on and how to maintain it, which was challenging. But I, I have such a connection to that song and it's got such an immense, like I, once I wrote the song and once um, I did some pre-production with Howard and we worked out, I really want this song to have that element of soul in it. So we backtracked and, and I wrote a section that would have horns in it like so I went back and listened to you know some some good you know old Motown and listened to you know some Sam and Dave and some Otis and just went what are they doing and for their for their solos or their you know bridge sections it's always this huge melodic sort of shift or this I don't know just this change that just will it just emotionally shifts you or maybe it's just this chord shift that you you're really are not expecting to mm-hmm. hear, and I, so I wrote that section in to then know we we're going to go back in this in the studio, and then the horns were, are going to work over this section. And so it, to me, that song was a real connection, for, a connecting one for me. So I wanted to do a video for it, and of course took, I mean I took my time before I even put that out because it only came out in August, I think, August, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, what year is it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is a beautiful song, though, for sure. I highly encourage yeah. people to check that out. It's it's just amazing. But I think people are going to spend a lot of time on your YouTube channel. I I mean, at least people here that watch on on the show they're big avid YouTube uh, consumers, and I think they're going to enjoy it. But I've I've had a wonderful evening with you this evening. I want to thank you so very much for your time. It was a, an absolute pleasure. And I'm really hoping we're going to see Pumpkins do something again uh, next year, and fingers crossed, and then some, because I'd like to come back and see you again. And uh, it's been an absolute delight. I hope you had a, a good time as well.
1: I did. Thank you so much for having me on the show, and I really enjoyed chatting to you and getting to know you.
0: Oh, I appreciate that, and it's nice to nice to know someone else is a bit of a gearhead like myself, you know, and <laughs> in, in different ways, you know, it's, it's cool. Though. Yes, it's it's fun talking shop all the time.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, have yourself a good one.
0: For sure. I'll say goodbye to you off the air. Don't take off. We'll say goodbye off the air, but everyone, thank you so very, very much for uh, dropping by spending our Friday uh, together here. Hope, I hope you have a very fun and safe weekend for my Canadian friends out there. Stay warm. It's getting cold, nasty, and uh, we're about to uh, get some more of that snow here by the looks of it here. So enjoy it uh, while you can. Everyone, we'll see you very, very soon. And until next time, cheers.